0: Hello and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined today by our executive director, Kirsten Hassler.
1: Hi everyone, on our podcast, we like to educate and empower women to take action in ways that benefit them and their families. One of those ways that we've mentioned before is family planning. And we aren't talking about the way that Planned Parenthood defines family planning or even the modern cultural definition of it. We are talking about natural family planning, sometimes called fertility awareness, which is a holistic approach to learning about your body, improving communication between you, your spouse, and your doctors, and treating any underlying conditions you may have, just to name a few. Even if you are unmarried or not trying to have children anytime soon, this information can still be of value to you. And we recorded two episodes during season one that give you an overview of what NFP is and how to engage on those methods. We encourage you to go back and listen to those alongside with this one if you haven't already done so.
0: In light of NFP week, we wanted to tackle another angle of NFP. What happens when you have medical complications that affect your fertility or cycles, and you've been told that birth control is your only option for treatment? We've brought on Mary Bruno to talk about her experience using NFP along with her diagnosis of endometriosis. If her name sounds familiar, she joined us during one of those episodes last season to talk about various methods of NFP. So here's a little about her. Mary is married to her husband, Chris, and they have one daughter. She is the creator of Taking Back the Terms, and outreach dedicated to educating and motivating women about fertility awareness, and is now a co-founder of the nonprofit Fanbase. More about that later. (laughs) She is a Creighton practitioner, blogger, speaker, and podcaster. You can find her at marygbruno.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thanks
1: guys for having me back. It's great to be here. Like Tabitha mentioned, you were diagnosed with endometriosis. So what is endometriosis and what has that diagnosis entailed?
2: Yeah, so endometriosis is actually a pretty common disease and it's characterized by um, cells that are very similar to the lining of the uterus implanting outside of the uterus. And they actually can become implanted anywhere in the pelvic cavity. Mm -hmm. Um, The bladder, the bowel is a very common place that that it's found. In more rare cases, it can actually be outside of the pelvic cavity as well, but usually we see it inside of the pelvic cavity. Um, Some of the symptoms are pain, uh, painful bowel movements, constipation, diarrhea, painful intercourse, um, and also infertility, and just generalized pelvic pain. It doesn't have to happen during the period. It can be low back pain. So we see it a variety of different ways, but also you don't even have to have pain to have the disease. Sometimes women don't find it until they're having trouble getting pregnant. And that's the only symptom. So in those cases, it's much harder to diagnose, Uh, but it can also be present in teens. And again, uh, for me, the biggest indicator for me was um, a lot of pain and heavy bleeding.
0: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. rough. I I read some statistics as I was uh, researching before this episode, and they were pretty eye-opening. And and I, I don't know much about endometriosis, so all this was very new to me. Okay. And I'll share some of those with our Mm -hmm. listeners. Um, Endometriosis affects one in 10 women between the ages of 15 and 49. It takes on, it takes an average of seven and a half years to reach a proper diagnosis. 20 to 25% of women have no symptoms, like you mentioned, and 30 to 50% are deemed infertile. And Mm -hmm. those are very scary, scary statistics. and, And these are folks that are actually diagnosed there there's a wealth of people that have gone diagnosed right. so far um now what was your experience being diagnosed with endometriosis and what has your journey with treatment been like
2: well it's funny you mentioned that because it actually took me about 12 years to be diagnosed and part of the problem in my opinion was um is because when, as young women, when we're growing up and you guys probably even know this to a certain extent, even if you didn't have like bad cramps, but cramps are just kind of accepted as the norm, like for girls, for women of any age, really. I mean, we're just, it's kind of like this silent notion that we're supposed to comply to that like cramps are just normal, let's deal with it. But actually moderate to severe uh, cramps with our periods are not normal. And it's, it's, again, it's, it's a, a, one of the many ways that our body tells us that something needs to be addressed, right? Like there's something going on here. And so I didn't even go to the doctor until I was about 18 or 19 to go get my first pap smear, um, even though I had been dealing with, with pretty bad pain since I was 13 years old. And so when I went to the doctor for the first time, hoping to get some answers for her to run some tests, you know, ask me some questions about my cycle, which is what the doctor typically does. Uh, she didn't do one of those things. She gave me a pap smear and she simply asked me what kind of birth control do you want? And so I actually think that um, our, cult- our cult- culture who's kind of so saturated with birth control, that's actually the re- one of the reasons why we have such late diagnoses because birth control does nothing to investigate the underlying issues. It just shuts the system off to help relieve the woman of her symptoms. It doesn't even treat endometriosis. There's no research to suggest that endometriosis does not continue to grow even while the woman's not feeling those symptoms. It's kind of unbelievable that this is where our healthcare system is, right? It's like the only um, branch of medicine that actually gives women a medicine to make her sick, to make her body stop functioning the way it's designed to function. And we call it healthcare. So um, I declined for whatever reason, I just wasn't comfortable. I didn't know enough about birth control at the time or that's what that it it maybe kind of start doing some research. Um, And so I just went on my way with the promise of more pain um, intact and a disease undiagnosed. It wasn't until another five years passed, where my pain got even like a lot where a lot worse. I was about 25 years old. I had some severe pains on one of my ovaries. That I went back to the doctor, and they finally did an ultrasound and found an endometrioma. So um, that I was actually kind of lucky that I had um, an endometrioma, which is a cyst of endometriosis. Um, that some women have, not all women with the disease have it on one of my ovaries. And she could, this kind of cyst is not functional. So we have functional cysts as women, but this one was filled with blood, not fluid. So she knew it was unusual and scheduled me for surgery that day. And she also encouraged me to get on birth control as well. So that's when I really did a lot of my research.
0: So, so can you tell us some about your thoughts and, and the toll it took on you mentally and, and the things that you had to overcome with your thoughts throughout this whole process and still to this day?
2: Well, yeah, it was frustrating. And just so you know, too, like I wasn't officially diagnosed until surgery. So endometriosis is a surgical di- a surgical uh, disease. So you can't even officially diagnose it until um, you have surgery. So lots of times it's just kind of guesswork. Um, but, but it wasn't until after I got diagnosed, after I started doing the research, after I started, it it wasn't until after I found like some actual, um, some doctors that could help me that practice restorative reproductive medicine that I even know I was like what I call (laughs) a victim of this machine. Right. And then I started to get angry. Like here we live in this culture of women empowerment, self-discovery, like we can do all these things. Yet, where was the education on my fertility, on my women's health, on like how integrated my fertility is with my whole person? Mm -hmm. Like my fertility is not something that should just be shut down. Like it's a part of my health. Why was I not educated on this? It blew my mind. And that's what inspired me to start taking back the terms because I wanted other women to know, you don't have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with this pain. Like this is not normal PMS symptoms. How many women... Um, are told they're crazy because of some symptom, whether it's pain or like they're moody or they're having these crazy mood swings. You know, that's actually a result of a hormonal abnormality. Mm -hmm. And so we do women a disservice when we don't acknowledge these as women's health problems that deserve to be fixed,
1: Mm -hmm. not just
2: put a Band-Aid on birth control over it.
1: So you talked about restorative what did you call it, Restor- a restorative medicine? Restorative reproductive medicine. Okay, so what is
2: that? So this is a, is a it's a branch of medicine is how I describe it, um, but these physicians do not prescribe birth control. They also don't refer for artificial reproductive technologies, and their goal is to address the underlying problem again, as I mentioned before, birth control just shuts the system off. There's no way to use birth control to diagnose or treat any underlying abnormality. It's just diagnosed for an array of women's health problems, even acne. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a women's health problem. It's kind of, they see it as a one size fits all treatment that actually treats nothing. So restorative reproductive medicine doctors, um, they don't have that as a crutch to lean on, so to speak. So they go through some extra training to identify and treat the underlying
1: problem, which you so, see, like that's fascinating, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I had never heard that term before. I actually go to a doctor who practices that. Oh, great. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess let's hear about how you actually found a doctor that that does look through that lens because it's not just women who are experiencing endometriosis who can benefit from this. You know, you could have PCOS or just hard time conceiving or irregular periods, or just, you know, you you are lucky enough to have a normal cycle. That's right. Absolutely.
2: Um, Yeah. So I actually didn't discover this until after I had my first surgery with my mainstream OBGYN. Um, I chose not to be on birth control, which is kind of interesting because that's the only reason I knew my symptoms had returned. The disease was not actually um, adequately surgically treated. So that's when I started to kind of be open to other things. I didn't know. I just kind of got lucky, actually. My mom introduced me to some woman at her church who taught the Creighton model. And at first I was very hesitant because I had never heard of it. I'm like, surely I would have known if this was anything worth pursuing. Um, So I waited a little bit. And then my my dad heard the the man who created uh, the women's health science of Napro technology, which is associated with this Creighton model on the radio. And he had me turn on the radio. I started listening. And I was like, The way that he was describing women as like a whole person, their fertility is a part of their whole person. I was like, and he doesn't prescribe birth control. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. There's a doctor that exists that doesn't prescribe birth control, which was, I didn't even realize that was what I was looking for. I didn't realize it existed. So um, after I heard him speak so so differently about women, that's when I decided, I actually had another surgery scheduled locally. I canceled it because my fertility at this time, I wasn't married. I wasn't ready to have kids, but my fertility is too important to be put into the hands of someone who, despite her best intentions may not fully understand how to appreciate it. So even though I really liked my first doctor, I decided I need to, I need to switch surgeons. So NAPRO technology is a women's health science that works cooperatively with the woman's body again, in order to address those underlying issues. So um, the foundation of NAPRA technology is, is the Creighton model system. And this is a charting system, which you guys described at the beginning of this show. Um, it's a method of fertility awareness or natural family planning. There are many different methods um, and uh, Creighton is one of them that has a, a medical and actually surgical application. So, I, the way that I like to describe it is we have mainstream medicine has uh, birth control as the foundation of their treatment plans. Now for technology foundation is the Creighton model, which is actually the information that the woman's body is communicating to her through the charting system. So whether the issue is endometriosis, PCOS, uh, abnormal bleeding, infertility, uh, I mean, anything, you name it, um, there are, there's evidence on the chart, the Creighton model chart, we call them risk factors for a variety of different things. Um, as a Creighton practitioner, my clients, I'm just trained not to diagnose, but to see if there's anything abnormal on the chart, at which point I would refer that woman to a nephrology physician who would take it from there and use the chart to guide their treatment. But the interesting thing is, I mean, you don't have to have any women's health issues to start charting. Many women use it to avoid pregnancy, to achieve pregnancy. Um, but lots of times we'll be able to see abnormalities on the chart before the woman even realizes that something is not normal. So that's why there are so many benefits to charting whether or not you're trying to achieve pregnancy yet.
0: Yeah, I I have worked with a couple of different instructors over the last few years, and it just amazes me um, how I can give them my chart and they're like, oh, I, this means this, and this means that. And I'm like, how do you even get that? And, and there, it's solid information every time. I, I think there's some wizardry involved. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty amazing and it's so helpful for our health. Um, and I wanna mention too, you, you talked about how important your fertility was to you. And fertility in general is a sign of health. That's what our bodies should be doing whether you plan on having kids or whether you never want kids right. um, are, that's it's what our bodies should be doing and so if your fertility isn't um, you know healthy or if there's some abnormalities there, then it's a sign that we need to look deeper and, and find out what's hindering that um, so that we can be healthy overall that's now right. um, you know you talked a lot about, Um, how doctors kept prescribing you birth control and suggesting that that's the only treatment for your condition. What do you do as a person, whether, um, you know, it's your first time going to the doctor or you've had this condition for multiple years and they keep bringing it up. What do you say to those doctors who, who keep prescribing that for you?
2: Right. Well, I think it's important just to make informed decisions, right? Like we're, we're intelligent as women, we can do research, we can look it up. I, first, I just asked questions. I was trying to understand, like, help me, don't just say, you know, let's use birth control. What kind of birth control do you want? Tell me what birth control does. If this is your plan for treatment, how does it work? What is it doing to my body? What is it not doing to my body? Let's be specific, like, I'm, I can handle this, right? Um, honestly, I'm not sure, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not sure a lot of doctors know, this is just what they're trained in medical school. Um, And I don't know if they don't think we can handle it or they just forget, but um, I would just ask them and then go do your own research to to check what they've said. Um, I I really tried to stick with my doctors for a long time. And eventually it was just like, this isn't worth it to me. Uh, and so now at the point that I've done this, because I've had the experience and I have had these conversations, I've done some research, but I will not go to a doctor who prescribes birth control because that tells me a lot about, about how they see the woman's body. Um, and that's not a doctor that I want to go to. Now we don't always have, you know, we don't always have a doctor nearby that doesn't prescribe birth control. So like you can still get pap smears and things from them. Um, but it, it's hard but I would just I would just engage in the dialogue like you're intelligent and um, I have some resources I can share later to help you find doctors who don't prescribe birth control close to you and many of them do treat women long distance so mm-hmm. that is an option as well
0: and I think you made a really good point about um, asking what birth control does because I think we're so many times we're mm-hmm. prescribed medicines where the doctor doesn't actually take time to say, these are the side effects. This is what it's going to treat. This is what it's not going to treat. Um, and these are expectations, but it may not work out that way. It's, it's just, you know, a quick in quick out type appointment and you don't really know what you're getting, but you're just blindly trusting that this is going to be the magic pill for us.
2: Mm -hmm. Also, keep in mind, many doctors are not friendly with fertility awareness-based methods and natural family planning. So don't get too shell-shocked if you're like, well, I heard about this thing. Many of them will brush it off. They're not instructed in in, in any way in that in med school. So you might just have to take your research elsewhere Mm -hmm. or find a doctor who's friendly with it to have that conversation.
0: Yeah, it can be a little scary telling your uh, birth control-friendly doctor that you're doing NFP. And I had to do that recently because I um, am now uh, a couple months postpartum. And even though like I really love using NFP, it's hard to say that to someone who's been in the medical field for a long time. And you just don't know what they're going to say back. And luckily, I had a great experience with my doctor. She was like, "Okay, that's great. Um, But you just never know. And so you just have to have that bravery to you know, say that you're, you're doing something different than um, m- maybe what you think your doctor wants for you.
1: And the technology has changed so much. It's not, I know um, we've talked about this before, but this isn't your mother's fertility awareness. Right. You know, this isn't just like, oh, tracking kind of, but it's, it's very scientific and it's a lot more accurate now. Mm -hmm. that's right and i have a lot of research to share some websites you can go to find some of that specific uh, information all right so why don't you give us some of these resources you keep talking about
2: yeah okay so um i we mentioned restorative reproductive medicine earlier napper technology is one type of physician that practices that kind of medicine but they're not the only kind there is a vast um network that's that I, i recommend them because that's just what i'm familiar with and i know they have a searchable database Um, But if you want to learn more about restorative reproductive medicine in general, I-I-R-R-M.org. It's the International Institute for Restorative Reproductive Medicine. And then there's NAPRotechnology.com, N-A-P-R-O technology.com and on the right hand side of that website they have all the different type of most common issues postpartum depression miscarriage pcos and you can kind of see how they approach all of those individual situations so it's a it's it's an interesting website to navigate through there's also a creightonmodel.com that's c-r-e-a I'm sorry, C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N model.com. And that kind of explains the charting aspect. Again, that's the foundation of NAPR technology. Buyitsfruit.org is one, um, is actually created by a NAPR technology surgeon. Her and her husband created it and they keep it updated with all the, uh, with all kinds of the latest research and everything uh, related to what we're talking about. And then, I mentioned earlier, I'm the co-founder of Fanbase. Um, we're in the process of developing our website right now, but it's dot eorg It should be available sometime this year in the next few months, but we're going to give you access to information just regarding fertility awareness in general, all the different method options that you have. And then of course, some information on, on restorative reproductive medicine. We'll have a resources tab with all these great websites, help you find a doctor close to you. Actually, I should also mention, if you want a NEPR technology physician, fertilitycare.org. Um, if you go to NEPR technology, find a medical consultant anywhere in the United States, you'll be able to find one that way as well.
0: That's great. Those are excellent resources and we'll list all those two uh, throughout the week when we um, promote this on social media. Okay. Um, now, last question what advice would you give to someone who is just at their wits end trying to find a solution to their health problem or is just simply struggling to make sense of it?
2: Yeah it's so hard first of all I acknowledge how hard that can be I've definitely been there at multiple different times in my life but I think what I've learned is that um, just the feeling of hopelessness is just a feeling it doesn't mean there's actually no hope. So I always remember that when I felt like, like when I was at my lowest, whether it was physical pain and fertility or just frustration in general, it always got better. It always got better. And um, even in those dark places, like I, 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 I was still able to find peace. So for me, it's just just remembering that and just keep doing your research. You know, I went 12 years without a diagnosis but then I found one and I was able to find that restorative help and I was able to, to get healed and find a lot of peace in that. So just keep trying and don't give up. There's always help. There's always hope no matter how, uh, how it feels.
1: That's so encouraging, Mary. And thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing so much great advice for women to advocate on for themselves and if you are listening to our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all the major social media platforms and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the State House to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum.